how are how are you today? How you doing? Let me try that again. How you doing today? Some of you are lying. All right. Some of you are lying. You you can't possibly answer that question with just the word good. For some of you, that's not the truth. You're this is, this is a whole lot more complicated than just I'm good or great or fine. It, it would take you a whole month to explain how you're doing. It's a, it's a complicated question, but, but listen, I didn't ask you because I want to hear the whole story, okay? And you didn't answer me because you want to give the whole story. You see, we, we've come to a place and point sometimes in, in certain sayings that we repeat over and over where it becomes quite superficial. Uh, when you ask a person how you're doing, more, more often than not, you're kind of expecting the, the superficial answer. You've asked the superficial question, and you are expecting the superficial answer. In fact, you've sometimes asked that superficial question to somebody, and they give you the real answer, and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I asked that question. Sometimes when we say things over and over and over, they can lose real significance and real meaning and become somewhat superficial. We have other sayings like that. We, we say, well, God bless you. Sometimes we might really mean, I really do hope that the king of heaven and earth blesses your life. And other times what we mean is, mm-hmm, or okay. I mean, sometimes when we begin conversations, we, we, we talk about the weather. How's, man, isn't this weather crazy? Isn't this weather beautiful? Isn't this day, day great? When really... We're only saying something because we're just saying something. We're just trying to move the conversation along. We, we really don't care that much about the other. Or, or, or when a person travels to come see you, you say, how was the trip? How was the flight? You don't care. You don't want to hear all the details of the trip that it was. I mean, we, we ask these superficial things. But we say over and over and over. And sometimes when it comes to the people of faith, we can begin to make some superficial statements. Some of the things that we say regularly can become somewhat superficial. Um, sometimes we, we say things like praying for you. When in reality, we're, we're really not. We just want to say something in that moment. And I wonder this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus... If a statement like he is risen, I mean, we've been saying this as the church for, for almost 2,000 years. Every year, there's a particular day of the year that we say he is risen and we celebrate him being risen. For many of you, for, for a long time, you've come to that day and you've said, he is risen. We say it over and over and over. And it's not that we don't believe it. It's not that, that we don't think this is significant. It's not that we don't recognize that, that our faith is very unique and that, that it didn't just end at a cross with a, a, a slain Savior, but it, but it moves on to a risen Savior. And there's victory in that. And there's, there's, there's all the wonderful things about that. But I wonder if in your life, as we've de de declared it today, and as we declare tomorrow, and as we live it every day of our life, and as we understand this truth, he is risen if it's lost some of its weight in meeting. 
Because he is risen is more than just a theological or doctrinal statement by people who adhere to the Christian faith. He is risen is practical, applicable, and relevant for every breath we take, every beat of our heart, everything we do. It is relevant, practical, applicable for our life now and forevermore. It is the most important statement ever made, and it is the most important statement of your life and of mine. I want to draw your attention this morning to Mark's brief account of the resurrection of Jesus. Mark, like just about everything he tells the story, he tells kind of a very whittled down uh, parts of the story. He's kind of more a nuts and bolts type guy. His gospel is the shortest gospel, and so as he recounts the different events of Jesus' life, he uses more brevity than, than anyone else. But that doesn't take away the magnitude of what he says. And I want you to observe some things that Mark explains to us that happened at the moment that the first people realized he was risen. Because at the moment the first group of women were introduced to the truth. He is risen. It changed everything for them. It was real, practical, and applicable to their life that Sunday morning in the same way it is to yours and mine. Today. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Would you stand in honor of God's word this morning? And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early in the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were there saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who, is cruci who was crucified. But he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment and seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts the significance, the difference, the resurrection that he is risen makes for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The women discovered the empty tomb. They were greeted by an angel. And that angel began to explain some things to them. And as he explains these things, these things have a lot of significance for their lives and for us. 
He says, he has risen. But then he says, he is not here. He is risen is significant. That statement is more than a superficial statement or a a doctrinal or theological statement. That statement is practical because it tells us what he's doing. It says, he is risen. He is not here. Now, no one in the world that day knew it. But an immutable law was at work in the crucified Christ. A spiritual law. A law that Jesus taught, the law of exaltation. And the law is this. Humiliation brings exaltation. Jesus taught that law and explained that law in this way. He said this in in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The humiliation of the crucified Christ was of cosmic and eternal dimensions. Because that crucified Christ who was humiliated was the one that created everything. As specific and minute as as every atom and proton and neutron, the particles of dust that sit on this earth, and as significant and great as the entire galaxy and the stars. He created every animal, every tree, every mountain. He created every color. He created every human. And Scripture tells us that not only did he create it, he held it all together. He was and he is the atomic bond that even the most sophisticated science labs are studying right now. He's the answer that they're looking for. And moreover, all of that that he's created is moving towards him. He holds it together. He created and it all moves and points towards him. But he descended from that. He gave it up. And he came down. And he became a man and he allowed himself to suffer the lowest, most humiliating death possible. Humiliation. The greatest humiliation that has ever been known. It's, it's spring and spring will turn into late spring and late spring will turn into early summer and one of the things that our family loves to do in late spring and summer is to swim. Our kids love to swim. We, we spend a lot of time at the pool. And one of the things that all kids do, uh, you do this when you swim, is eventually you decide you're going to go to the bottom of the pool. And so now uh, there's a competition and a competition you've been a part of, uh, who can go to the bottom of the pool the longest and who can hold their breath the longest. And um, so our boys have done that. They're both, they compete doing that. They compete with me doing that. 
I've seen their friends do that with them. They go to the bottom of the pool and they see who can stay down there the longest and hold their breath the longest. But inevitably, every single time, thankfully, when they go down to the bottom of the pool, they hold their breath that long, there is eventually a moment where they can't take it any longer. And thankfully, they burst through, gasping for air. They've gone to the bottom, but then eventually they come to the top. They, they go down to the depths, but then shoot to the surface, bursting forth through the water. So too with the death of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus to the millionth degree. He went down to the depths of death. The most humiliating and lowest death. He went lower than anyone else. But in an explosive motion The grave could no longer hold him. And he burst forth. Matthew describes that beautifully. In Matthew chapter 28, we're we're told this. Matthew says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like death. You see, death could not hold this one who had descended as low as possible. What we see taking place in the resurrection of Jesus is his very law that he explains and establishes. His humiliation set into motion his own law of exaltation. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and behold upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25, he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. When the angel declares that day, he is risen. He is not here. What he is saying is, is that he is reigning. He has experienced his own law of humiliation, then to exaltation. He is risen and he is reigning. He is not there because he has been exalted. He is not there because death and the grave could not keep him down. He came so low and he has burst forth as high as ever. Tells us what he's doing. And here, this is why this matters for you today. Because your world, as chaotic and as crazy as it may be, is never out of his control. In every situation and in every moment of your life, what is he doing? Reigning, ruling, controlling, 
holding it together. It is not out of control, this world. It is under the perfect, careful control of the one that is above every name. He is reigning and is ruling. He is working all things together for the good of those who love him. He is drawing all men to himself. He is giving rest to all those who come to him that are burdened and heavy laden. No matter what the season of life feels like that you are in, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter what the court order is, no matter what your heart and your head are telling you, no matter what the hate of this world is screaming over you, he is in control of you. And he is in control of this world because he reigns and rules because he is risen. Resurrection, he is risen, also gives us not only an understanding of what he's doing, but it also gives us that no matter what, hope. In verse 6, he said, he is risen, he's not here, see the place where they lay him. But then immediately, after declaring that he is risen, he's not here, the angel immediately gives them a command. He redirects their steps, he redirects their path, he gives them a new direction. They've come to the tomb, they've come in despair and depression and discouragement and disappointment and anger and fear and doubt and confusion but at that moment of learning he is risen they are given a new perspective and a new direction everything pivots for them in that moment at the moments before the resurrection of Jesus Christ and even following the moments after the resurrection of Jesus Christ there were so many emotions that we feel that they felt so many emotions that make up our regular buffet of emotions there was anger and frustration there was disappointment you ever been disappointed there was fear there was trembling and to add to that following the resurrection there came doubt and confusion and shock But the angel says, go. You see, the resurrection, he is risen, pivoted everything for these women. It gave them a direction to go. It gave them the ability to move forward. The resurrection, he is risen, changes everything for us in life. It is the pivot, it is the launching pad, it is the tether in every situation, it is the lens, and it is the window through which we view all of life and everything in life. Everything changes for us because he's risen. It is our reason, it is our why, it is our motivation, that we live our lives by. Because he is risen, 
Your life is different. It's changed. It has a new trajectory. It has a new direction. It has a new purpose. It has a new meaning. And the lens of he has risen, the, the fact and truth of he has risen, is the filter which everything in your life is to come through. Can you remember Easter a year ago? Easter a year ago was the most depressing Easter I have ever had in my life. It was awful, y'all. You know what I did on Easter Sunday? I sat in my living room. I never got dressed. I didn't brush my teeth. And I ate pancakes while I watched myself preach on TV. I can't imagine anything more worse. And what I felt in that moment was I feel so sorry for all of you. Because I've never experienced that before in my life, but gosh, it was, it was awful. When you think back to a year ago and all that we've gone through a year ago, how different things are even right now than they were a year ago. I mean, last year, a year ago, there was no March Madness. We didn't get to celebrate the fact that there's another Texas basketball team that made it to the finals. And no North Carolina teams. What is up with that? There wasn't baseball happening. There was no baseball. There were, there were no kids' sports. We couldn't go out. We couldn't, we couldn't go to restaurants. We, we couldn't do we couldn't go to, It was awful. It was crazy. But today, something's, something's different. None of you were here a year ago, and now all of you are here. And those of you that are watching online, you're going to be here soon, too. What's the difference? Well, we won't get into all of the conspiracies and all of the thoughts and all of the political thought thinking in this. And all, but this is not an argument or discussion. Ultimately, what is different today than there was a year ago is that there has been a creation of a vaccine. And in a sense, that vaccine has changed everything. Like it or love it, like it or hate it, believe it or not. Because of the presence of the vaccine, life is somewhat returning to what it was pre-COVID. Thank I don't care what it is. I really don't care what it is. I don't care if they're putting water in our arms. We're back to life as normal. Many of you have received it. Everything's changed. We're, 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 we're experiencing something different today. If life has pivoted in a different direction, thank goodness. Well, he has risen. Pivots everything for you and for me. He has risen altars everything. Everything in our life is to go through. This is the turning point of our lives. He is risen. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. He said, in, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Your life changes. He also says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, me and you, can walk in newness of life. Here's the change. Here's the hope. 
that because he is risen, everything changes. And so no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what life throws your way, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what, you have hope. No matter what you encounter. See, listen, you are not just saved. Jesus did not just come to save you. Now, thank God he did. We could not have it without the cross. But what he accomplished and what he did was not just save us, but he also came to give us life, to give us new life, to give us victorious life. He is risen. And because he is risen, it means God will win. It means that righteousness will overcome evil. It means that his plan will be accomplished. It means that sin will be defeated. And everything you do in the name of Jesus Christ will be worth it, no matter the cost. We have hope no matter what. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He is risen guides and directs our lives so that no matter what we face in this life, in this now, in this moment, we will win. We will be victorious. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what the diagnosis is, we have hope. He's risen. And finally, he is risen. Practically speaking, guarantees ours. Verse 7, he says, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he has noticed this, going before you to Galilee. Now what he was saying is explaining is like, go tell them to go to Galilee and he's going to meet them in Galilee. So he's going to meet the disciples in Galilee. So, so tell them he's gone ahead and gone before you to Galilee. So that's what he's giving. He's giving instructions about what the ladies are to tell the disciples and what the disciples are to do from that day forward. They're supposed to go to Galilee. Why are they going to Galilee? Because Jesus has already gone to Galilee. But this statement, I can't move away from that statement. He is going before you. Going before you. In the same way, his resurrection goes before ours. We will experience the same resurrection he has. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection. His resurrection is a going before us thing. Jesus said this very thing in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this, in my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, But I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. But listen to verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also, with Jesus, raise us and bring us into his presence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21, we're told this, for as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, this sweet, sweet medley of a verse. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, this perishable body that is getting older, this perishable body that will get cancer, this perishable body that will one day breathe its last, this perishable body from the moment you were born that has gone through this world is deteriorating and aging and heading towards death. This perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Why? Because he is risen. And this is yours too. In Jesus, it's yours. He has gone before you. He has gone through death and the resurrection and his full intentions and his guarantee for you is that you too will go through death and the same resurrection. That's how it ends up for you if you know Jesus. It doesn't end up with your dead body in a box in a church. That is not the end. It doesn't end for you in a hospital room. It doesn't end for you in a car accident. It does not end for you in any of the manners and the ways that we say it ends. How it ends for you is you raise a life like him. One of the biggest questions of this world, of our culture, is what is, what is the purpose of life? One of the biggest questions that you, you have to ask in your life is what is the meaning of life? What is the point of it all? Now our culture and our world today so often answer that question In the here and now. You find your purpose, you find your meaning, you find your reason, you find your truth in the proximity of here and now. That is the mantra of this world, and it has so many statements statements that ultimately are superficial statements. Statements like this make your life count, life is too short. There's no day but today. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. Or it is what it is. Or carpe diem, seize the day. Or when in Rome. Or it's, it's now or never. Or you only live once. Or Hashtag YOLO. 
it's fine. I get it. Today matters. Now matters. Don't waste it. It's important. There's significance in the here and the now. There's, there's things that from a Christian perspective and a biblical perspective, God wants us to do in the here and the now. He said this, men consider not tomorrow, for sufficient is the evil of the day hereof. Focus on the now and where you're at. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's just that, listen, if, if all you have is now, and if this is all you got, And if it all matters in this moment and in this life, then that is also a very dark way to live. Because we were not made. You you were not made for just now and here. And if you're trying to fit every desire of your heart, longing of your soul, and dream of your life in the 20-ounce bottle of now and here, you will face what so many face in the here and now. Disappointment. Discouragement? Despair? Why? Because you can't have all you want in the here and now. You can't have all you need in the here and now. You can't have every longing. You cannot fulfill every dream in the here and now. Why? Because you weren't made for just the here and the now. And ultimately, all of these things that are within us, that are longing and dreaming and hoping and grasping for more, find their fulfillment not in the here and in the now, but in eternity. We were made for eternity. Which is why He is risen is such a big deal for the here and the now. Because the disappointment that I face here and now is not my end. Because the failure that I have in the here and the now is not my end. Because of the things that I never got to do, because of the heartbreaks that I faced in the here and the now, because of the depression that I battle in the here and the now is not the end for me. Why? Because he is risen and it guarantees I will be too. And in that day, everything that drugged me, that pained me, that killed me, that hurt me, that grieved me, that sickened me, that took from me, will be gone. Life is not a constantly repeating cycle of the same old, same old. He is risen, blows the lid off 
now. Because he goes before us and guarantees us under Jesus' rule, this world and your life are marching towards a conclusion. Your life is marching toward a glorious end, eternity. Because there will be a moment when God will raise you out of this broken world and sin and suffering will be no more. Why? Because he is risen. It is not just a doctrinal statement or a theological statement. It is a statement that changes everything about your life. Because it tells us no matter what I'm facing, he's in control. It tells us that no matter what I face, I have hope. And it reminds us that this life is not all there is. And I wasn't made for just here. This is just a 20-ounce Coke bottle. That through my life is getting more and more empty. But one day, bottle's going to burst and I will experience infinity and eternity with him forever because he is risen the question is What does that matter to you? What are you going to do about it? For some of you, Jesus has been calling you from the moment you got in your car this morning. From the moment your alarm clock went up, He has been calling. For some of you, it goes way further back than that. And it very well may be that he is calling you to this moment, to this time, to this place, wherever you are, whether you are at home or whether you're sitting in one of these pews. He is calling you to himself. And he is bringing you to a place to receive him as your savior. Friend, I, I want to tell you, you may be great. You may be wonderful. Your mama may love you, but I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know Jesus, that's only for the here and now. Because you have an eternity to face. And if you face that eternity without Jesus, you will spend that eternity apart from Jesus in hell. But here and now, he invites you to know him, to trust him. With every head bowed and with every eye closed. Are you ready to know Jesus? Do you know him? Are you certain that Jesus Christ is living in your heart? Are you certain that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in heaven? If you answered that question with a stutter, with a pause, 
with doubt or with a no, then this moment is for you because you can have that certainty of salvation right now. How? Call to Jesus and receive his salvation. And so where you're seated today, whether it's on a living room couch or we're in a pew here this morning, right now, from your heart, just ask Jesus, Jesus, save me. Be my Lord. Come into my life. I trust in you. I believe in you. Save me. I turn from sin. I turn to you. Jesus, thank you for saving me. If you prayed that this morning, if you, if you had that moment, that conversation with Jesus, then I want you to know, friend, right now he's done it. And right now, wherever you are seated, he has saved you. He is risen and everything has changed for you right now. Your eternity has changed. Your sins have been forgiven. You have a brand new life, an eternal life with him. Nothing will take that away. Nothing will rob you of that. It is yours. He has saved you. He has changed you. He is living inside you right now. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If that happened to you this morning, say so. Say it. For those of you online who are watching us, if that happened to you, text the word Jesus to the number you see on the screen. Say it, confess it, make it known. That text will come straight to me. Let me know so I can pray for you and celebrate with you. Jesus already knows, it's done. For those of you in this room that are here, in just a minute, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing one more song. We're going to worship our way out of this place. And that is a moment for you to respond. And if you gave your life to Christ this morning, when we stand up and sing, our pastors are going to be up here. And I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat, to walk down this aisle very briefly, very quietly. Tell us. We'll pray for you. We'll rejoice. But, but let someone know. Jesus let everyone know he was risen. Will you proclaim it too this morning?